Well, welcome tonight. It's great to see you buzzing with excitement. Yeah. I am sensing and I have been praying for a hunger. And I'm sensing hunger in us as we come together. Um, and don't mind me if I get a bit funny through this message because um, tears seem to be flowing very, very um, frequently at the moment. Um, because what I'm talking about, he's he's been doing in me, and um, I can't explain it. Sorry. <laughs> But um, I just, Lord, I just want to come to you again and pray, Father, that our hearts would be yours. Our hearts would be yours. They would be fully yours. That, Lord, you would move in amongst us, that you would be here in the reality of who you are. And you would speak to us and you would arrest us. You would arrest our hearts. You you would captivate us with who you are. That all pretensions would be demolished in the light of who you really are. And that we would value you. the way that it's appropriate to value you. That you would be our treasure. Father, this is something that needs to be done by your spirit. My words are pretty irrelevant, really. But I pray that this time as we come together and as we spend time with you, that you would work in us and you would continue to call and we would respond because nothing happens, Lord, if we don't respond. And I pray that that the ears and the eyes that you have given us, you have granted us, would be the ones that we hear with, the ones from our heart. Thank you, Lord. I'm primarily going to be talking out of um, Matthew 13. And it's something that um, the, the Lord asked me a simple question. We'll come to that in a minute. Um. And I just want to set a background to um, to what he spoke in Matthew 13. And there were three three parables, particularly that um, uh, are sort of set in in together for tonight. But if we start at verse 11, isn't it amazing how the unity of the Spirit says the same thing through many? Um, Greg quoted this verse 
to you. He's talking to the disciples when they've been asking them, why do you talk in parables? And Jesus says, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been granted. The question, the first question I'm asking is, do we value what we have been given? He goes on and explains why he talks in parables, and he talks about a people who can't see. They, they keep on hearing, but they don't understand. They keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With the, their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. So there are those that have no desire to open their eyes, to go after. They're scarcely hearing. That means they're tuned out. They're dull in their hearts, in their spirits. And then he goes and and he says, Blessed are your eyes because they see in your ears, because they hear. Do we value what he is saying? He goes on, and and this is not the only place in Scripture, he talks about those of the generations for thousands of generations, the many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see. They longed for. Do we realize what we have? Do we realize how many generations of people have been longing to see what we see? To hear what we hear, and they didn't hear. In Luke 10, the the same passage, there are many, many prophets and kings wish to see the things. talks in in first peter it's an amazing passage first peter 1 verses 10 to 12 as to this salvation the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the spirit of christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of christ and the glories to follow It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, us, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look or to gain a clear glimpse Do we value what we've been given? In Hebrews 11, we've heard this. Moses. You know what he preferred? He preferred the ill treatment 
with the people of God than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin. You know why? Considering the reproach of the Messiah greater treasures than the treasures of Egypt. Moses, he hadn't even met the Messiah. And yet the call to that was greater than the call of the entire riches of Egypt. Do we treasure what we've been given? It's interesting. The words in Matthew 13, here we go. We're just about to go into this parable. The first two words are here, then. As a consequence of what I've just said, that it has been granted to you that some will not hear and that many before you have been longing for, as a consequence with that valuing, with that seeing what has gone before you, hear, listen to this that I'm about to say. Don't listen with casual ears. Listen with the ears that say, I am hearing what God has been wanting to give and all of these people have wanted to know. I am hearing it. So you hear with ears that value what you hear. They desire, they long for, they long to catch a clear glimpse glimpse like the angels do. The treasure. So this parable, the parable of the seed that is sown, it's a parable about how the heart receives and grows Christ, the word. It's not just about a start. We often think it's about a start. But it's not just about a start. Because a seed is meant to grow. But it's a bringing to full fruitful maturity What sort of heart is needed for the will of God to be accomplished in us? To be brought to completion. What is the will of God? It is our sanctification. We've heard this. The bringing into the fullness of Christ in us. Yes? So we have all these things that are described in the parable of the the sower or the seed. And you're probably very familiar. There's the four different things that are described. Beside the road, it's the well-worn path. It's, It's so hard that no seed could possibly get in there because it's been well worn. I know this way, I know this way, and there is no other way. I know this way, I know this way, there is no other way. Do you see? What we think we know can be a well-worn path. The rocky places, we have a temporary focus. And so when the affliction, which will come, pressure will come because faith needs to be tested. 
And when pressure, which is what affliction means, comes, the root doesn't go down. It goes up in the rocky places because it's shallow. And it's not looking at the eternal. It's looking at the temporary. So it's a way. Persecution causes stumbling. Among the thorns, the worries are, it's a word that means distractions. Distractions away from what? What is he after? Exactly. And is he after a bit of our heart or half of our heart? Is he after a divided heart? The deceitfulness of wealth. What's deceitfulness? It gives a false impression. So it promises much and delivers nothing. But we believe the promise. Why do we believe the promise? Do you see how the seed needs an environment to grow? And all of these things are going to choke it, are going to cause it to be uprooted, are going to be causing it not to germinate in the first place. Because there's other things in the picture. So we're either deceived by what looks like riches or we're consumed by the true riches. What are the true riches? Well, I haven't got time to go into all that, but we have been hearing. We have been hearing. And the thing is that the true riches are Christ. They're all in him. And you know, (laughs) do you know the beautiful thing is that he left the true riches to come after his treasure. He left communion with his father. He left the, the place where only love ruled, that there was no hatred, there was no tears and weeping and sickness, that there was no against God. He left all the riches and the inheritance, the reigning, the ruling, the, the being equal with God to come after his treasure. But do we treasure him the same way? So do we actually treasure the seed? Because I am convinced, and this is what he talked to me about when he asked me that question, I'm convinced that if we don't treasure the seed, it can't grow. And treasuring the seed actually means loving him with all. It is the first commandment. If we treasure him, we treasure him above everything else, right? Let's have a look, because there's, there's another little, par- two parables actually, that come up in Matthew thirteen forty four to 46, that speak exactly to this. So it's thirteen forty four. 
the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. We couldn't get more straightforward. Hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells what? All that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all. Do you see? It takes all. We can't have the treasure on our terms. It requires all to obtain it. We might have it in seed form, but it will not grow. And the thing is, the seed is meant to grow. It's meant to grow into a tree that fills all. Let's have a look at the third parable in um, verse 31 of Matthew 13. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of air come and nest in its branches. Do we realize what the seed is in us? Do we realize that it is meant to be, it is God's way of building his kingdom? It is the kingdom seed. It is an incorruptible seed. In other words, when we die physically, the seed lives on, right? It is the indestructible life of God himself in us. Do you realize that that is what we have been given? This is our treasure. And when we cooperate with God in his way of building and growing this treasure, it comes to maturity and it bears much fruit. It's the most beautiful, profound thing. We are part of what is greater than anything that could be seen or heard or imagined in this world. We have it within us. And we are, this is the inheritance to be part of this that will out, outlive all that is here that we see around us. I'm just going to throw a few random scriptures out here. They might seem random, but they're saying the same sort of thing. We're part of something big. Zechariah 8.23, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, now don't think nation, we, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when people are looking to the people of God? Micah 4, 1 and 2, and it's also in Isaiah 2. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord into the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us about his ways. 
and that we may walk in his paths. Does that not sound like the the outflow of transformation that has happened to us and that we are now leading the people in the ways of God because we know them. They've been established. We know there's a verse that says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Do you hear what God's saying to us tonight? That's in Matthew six nineteen to 21. And he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, when you look at the whole chapter of Matthew 6, I love seeing things in context because we hear things out of context all the time. But it's speaking to the ways of God being so different to what we think naturally. He's not just talking about what we think are worldly things. We look at the parable of the sower and we think, you know, the 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 deceitful nature of, of riches, well, that's a kind of a worldly thing. But listen to this. He's talking about how we try and relate to him. This sounds like our version, doesn't it? He's talking about giving. Remember, this is the, the, the chapter that he talks about when you give. You know, don't make a big palaver about it. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is giving. He's talking about the father seeing what's done in secret. He's talking about the way we pray. That's where what we call the Lord's Prayer is found in this chapter. Not long-winded prayers, the external looking good. He's after our heart. He talks about fasting. He talks about what we store up. In other words, what we put our trust in. Do we store up these things? Because our trust is actually in them. What's in our thought life? Are we worrying What are we serving? Money or God? Remember? It's all in here. He's speaking of matters of the heart that are seen by God, not necessarily seen by man. No matter what we might do externally, God sees the heart, and he wants all of our heart. He's looking for people whose treasure is him and whose heart is his, who love him with all. Because remember, he needs to get into the innermost parts and do that work. It's what the incorruptible seed is designed to do, is to change all these things, to transform us, that which is deep inside us. It's not by us trying hard to do all that. That's what this other thing is that he's talking about. It's That's not prayer. That's not giving. We're talking about, let me come in and possess you. Let me do this work. Let the the implanted word do its work in you. You know the beautiful thing at the end of that chapter? 
he, he talks, he speaks to this, why would you worry? And he speaks to us as his treasure. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing. Matthew six twenty six. look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? You see, we are his treasure. And if we can receive that, if we can know that, we can trust him and we can allow him to have our heart. Yeah? Only when we treasure him does the seed grow to maturity and take over all things. Not a small part, but all of us. In this environment, the amazing sanctification process of the Holy Spirit transforms us, and we have more and more of Christ formed within us. We become more and more like him, in readiness for all that he has for us in eternity. We prove by the very change that his word in us is causing the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's Romans 12 too, if you want to take note. A little aside here. If you are one, or perhaps you have heard someone say that they have been hearing, all they've been hearing in this community is many words and no application or action, may I respectfully suggest that the living word has not yet been received or done its work in the heart of the listener. Because it's not about many words, it's about the word that is living and active, Christ himself, as we heard so well this morning, doing its work in us. It's living and active and is always sent with the purpose to bring change. So we've got to value and receive the word as the very word of God, like we heard in First Thessalonians 2.13. So Jesus gave up all the riches, all the treasure that was his, to pursue us as his treasure, that we might inherit all his riches. Isn't it beautiful? I want to end with a song, and to preface the song, there's a verse in Second Chronicles 16 to 19, and it says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And I want, as we, we're going to listen to the song, I want to read out the words and then listen to it. I don't want you to think of it, oh, it's a really country song, and, and let that put you off. It's not about that. Believe me, it's not about that. I'm not into country either. But, <laughs> sorry, Greg. <laughs> yeah, it's happening here. But what I, what I really felt for tonight is I don't want us to discover, to discuss him being our treasure. I want us to to come to him and respond as him as our treasure. Um, and I want to open up and, and that, we, that we pray, get away from desks and, and 
stand and worship. Stand and respond to the one who calls you his treasure and who is our treasure. I, life is so different when he's my treasure. These are the words of the song. It is the most beautiful, beautiful picture. Your eyes are searching the earth. The groom's eyes are searching for her. You're looking for heart's eyes to see what you're worth, the treasure of the universe. Find me in this holy thirst. Your eyes are burning with fire. The groom's eyes, they burn with desire for a lover who's waiting for the love of her life. And I would be the one you'd find, O God, who's merciful and kind. And Lord, we would be the one that you find. We would be the one that you find when as your eyes are searching to and fro for those whose heart is completely yours. And Lord, we, we want you to be our treasure. And we, we just come to you that you would do this work in us that we would treasure and value beyond everything. We would sell all. We would put all aside to go after the one pearl, the incorruptible seed of that indestructible life that you have put in us. That, Lord, this would be our treasure And this is you, you the living word living in us and being formed in us. And we pray, Lord, tonight that you would find hearts as you are seeing hearts. Thank you, Lord. Searching the earth, the groom's eyes are searching for her. You're looking for heart's eyes to see what you're worth. Treasure of
I would be 